Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, April 11. Tune into others' inner realities. Though the words you speak be similar, your realities may be as different as unrelated languages. That's really quite a statement, isn't it? Um, and, and I actually have been through situations where words were spoken and inner realities were not understood. I remember a particular situation where my friend and I actually had exactly the same objective, that we wanted uh, another group of people to gradually come to an understanding of something that was very important for them to understand spiritually. My point of view was that they didn't understand it, and no amount of shaking our finger and saying, you should, you should, you should, <clears throat> was going <clears throat> to help them to understand it. But the given was that they needed to learn it. My friend's point of view was somehow that I wasn't doing enough to help them to understand. So finally, in exasperation, I said, well, they just don't understand it, and that's the way it is. Now, what I meant by that was that's the way it is now, and we're going to have to keep working on it to make it different. But what my friend heard was that's just the way it is. And there was the, what was as clear as a bell to me, which is that we have to keep working on it. You can't just keep telling me it should be different because we have to keep working on it. Um, that misunderstanding took about 10 years to unravel. And, and for like 10 years, I was bewildered <laughs> as to why people kept imagining that I thought it was okay that these people didn't understand this. They kept treating me as if I had just had a full, wholly different intention, which I didn't at all. But I realized what I had said could have been interpreted that way. Re being on the receiving end of it, of course, I spoke in exasperation, and I was just trying to end the conversation, so it was my fault. But it was a, such a dramatic example to me of how Words can say one thing and mean another. There's a humorous example of it in a movie called My Cousin Vinny, which is a, a story about this guy who gets accused of... Uh, it's, it's a comedy, but the theme is this guy gets accused of murdering a store clerk. And, and My Cousin Vinny is the, is the lawyer who comes down to defend him. He's in some small town, and his cousin is from New York, and he comes from New York, and it's, it's a very funny movie if you haven't seen it. But... At first, the guy thinks he's being arrested for, like, uh, not having a, the right driver's license, or he, he was in the store, and he put a can of tuna in his pocket, and he forgot to put it on the counter, and so he thinks he's being arrested for accidentally walking out with a can of tuna. But gradually, in the course of his interview with the police, they say, you know, is that when you shot the store clerk? And the hero of the movie says, I shot the clerk? Just like, What? And then he says it again. Is that when you shot the clerk? I shot the clerk! It was just complete incredulous on the part of the character. 
But then when the transcript is read, it says, is that when you shot the clerk? Is that when you, so, the, so I asked him, is that when you shot the clerk? And he replied, I shot the clerk. I said, so you shot the clerk? And he said, I shot the clerk. <laughs> and then the whole movie, you know, it's just this ridiculous story. But there it was. He, he did say it. But it wasn't a video as we would have now. It was just a transcript. So he just said, this is what I did. That's exactly what I said to my friend. This is the way it is. It's just the way it is. But there was this whole other reality that was behind it, that if all we're dealing with is words, we often, as Swami said, we're often completely unrelated. I mean, I, I'm sure you've had experiences, and I have too, where somebody says something to you, you hear it a certain way, or you say something to someone else, and they hear it a certain way, and, well, you're, you're off to the races. It can go on for years, literally. Lives can be ruined over words that were misunderstood. So what Swami is suggesting here, he says, tune into others' inner realities. Is that so easy to do? Is that really just like something so casual that anybody can just make up? No, it's an absolute dedicated inner process. And there's lots of things that go with it. You know, one of it is, he mentions this in other places in this book, we have to always expect the best of each other. We have to give each other the benefit of the doubt. We have to assume people's good intentions. Now, everything is a two-edged sword. You can't be naive. You can't be foolish. You can't let people take advantage of you. But if we're really trying to feel other people's inner realities, what it comes from is a deep, intuitive recognition that we're all children of God. You know, the, I believe it was an American Indian expression that you should never um, judge a man unless you walked a mile in his moccasins, is how they put it. And whether that was a genuine Native American expression or not, I don't know. But it really works, doesn't it? I mean, put on someone else's shoes, which means to say, think about where they live, what they've been through, what they're responsible for, what kind of pressures they're under. And then imagine how life would look from that point of view. You know, I have a certain friend, he's a very, very good man, but his response to life is quite different than mine, largely because at least in this incarnation, his upbringing was very different. You know, whereas I had a, a large degree of privilege and support, he didn't, just as simple as that. He just didn't have it. So he, from a very young age, had to really rely only on himself. So naturally, trust in others, expectation that other people will understand you and stand by you, is hard, much harder for him to come by. So every, every little thing, just walking in his moccasins, if this is how I grew up, if this is how I was trained, if these were the life experiences I had, this is how my, my partner regards me, if this is the partner that I have and this is the orientation that that partner has. Just all of these things. Also, there's just, the way Swami put it to me once when I was really struggling with this, he said, try to understand what that person is trying to accomplish and see if you can help them to accomplish it. And that actually, that was a very important turning point for me because I was involved in, I was involved in a group and we were trying to make something happen. And I, my ideas of how we should make it happen were almost always different than the other people in the group or even what it was that we were trying to accomplish a lot of times was just very different. I just, I lived in a different reality. And I 
but always argue for my reality. But Swami said, instead of arguing for your reality, why don't you try what, what thing this person is trying to accomplish? And even the thought of trying to feel what they were trying to accomplish was standing in their moccasins. It's like, where are they trying to go? And, and what part of where they're trying to go can I, can I help them with? And very often, when I really tried to feel, from, feel it from their perspective where they were trying to go, it wasn't as far off from my own objectives as I thought it was. It was my imposition on them. My thought, if you disagree with me, this must be your point of view. Um, I've, I've often had in the, in the position that I'm in because I'm strong-minded and I'm outspoken and I have a position of responsibility. And as a consequence, people often project upon me um, attitudes and feelings that I, I simply don't have. So I've had many conversations in which people will tell me what I think and feel. And I suggest to them that they ask me what I think and feel instead of telling me. But I, I just, I can see it watching it from the outside and then it becomes, of course, a perfect mirror for my own, that they have made assumptions. They haven't asked what my reality is, they've just made assumptions. The worst of it was what we experienced when Swami Kriyananda was accused of all kinds of malfeasance in his position as leader of Ananda. And one of the things he was accused of was, was becoming personally wealthy from the position he was in because he, he had access, you know, to vast sums of money, really. Well, Ananda's never had vast sums of money. I don't want to exaggerate it. But, you know, over the course of many years, millions and millions of dollars have passed through. We're a very large organization with a lot of people involved and tremendous numbers of projects. So if you, if you start adding up all the small sums, it really turns out to be a very large amount of money. And Swami Kriyananda has sat at the center of all of that with a tremendous amount of authority over how money is dispersed and where it's spent. And he, he distributes responsibility with a very open hand to those who are capable and willing to take it. But nonetheless, if he had wanted to, he could have been you know, filling some secret bank account that would have become quite impressive by this point. He didn't. In fact, exactly the opposite. All the money that came in, even to him directly, he reinvested in Ananda. Just by that point, millions of dollars. He, he earned millions, but he never kept any of it. However, they were just determined to prove that he must have a big secret bank account somewhere. And they just couldn't prove it. Their decision was that he was too clever. <laughs> they never thought that he was too honorable. And Swami said very simply, because if they had been in my position, that's what they would have done. And it just was, it was self-evident to them. Swami could have even done it legitimately. I mean, he could have just, as the founder of the community, asked for any personal remuneration that he wanted. And in the context, it would have just been offered to him. There was, he, he wouldn't even have had to sneak it. He could just have done it right out in the open. But he openly did the opposite instead. But these people could not imagine that that was not his inner reality. In fact, Swamiji said a lot of times people had a hard time understanding him because most people have, as he put it, ulterior motive. You know, whether it's conscious or subconscious, it, it's like, 
I have a friend, for example, who's very generous with money, very generous with money, and very capable at um, attracting money. But money is the medium of exchange in a lot of their relationships. So money is the way that we ensure um, love, really, basically. Because I can be generous with money, then we are in relationship with each other. So that ability to give money has become deeply ingrained in the self-identification. And anything that threatens the ability to give money threatens everything. You know, these are the kinds of inner realities that we might not even be aware of. In that case, I believe it's completely unconscious. But we might not even be aware of. So we have to really pay attention to what's motivating other people and be very um, generous and silent inside to try to understand. Often when I'm sitting with someone and they're talking to me, I can't quite figure out what they're saying. I'll not, I won't only just pray, Divine Mother, tell me what to do, but I'll actually pray to the superconscious um, reality of the person that I'm talking to. I, I will pray to that person, not to their egoic self, but to their soul nature. What is it that I can do to help you? What is it that you're really trying to tell me? What is it that I could say that would actually communicate something that, that would really be helpful to you. It's very interesting the, um, the kinds of responses that have come to me, often very unexpected and often very true, much truer than I could find with my reasoning nature. I just try to tune into the inner reality. Here's a person, here I am sitting, you know, just right here talking to you, and I have a face, I have a body, I have an age, I have a voice, I have a desk, I have a... a definition, all these different things that I am. And whoever you are, all of you, you're hearing me, and you're somewhere else inside of your body, inside of that whole reality. But there is a a unifying spiritual thread between us. The distances and the differences are apparent, but they're not actual. And it's it's ourselves going deep enough to, to... that level of reality in me, where that level of reality in me automatically merges with that level of reality in you. And so instead of trying to figure out another person, this is why Swami says, tune into people's inner realities. Because on that level of inner reality, we merge. And then we understand each other. Even if we don't agree, we still understand each other. And Swami had a wonderful phrase that he would often say, I understand why you feel that way. And it wasn't just good wordsmithing. It was an actual true statement. Given who you are, given what you're working with, given your effort, what you're trying to achieve, I understand why you feel that way. Swami might feel that it would be better if you felt another way. He might then try to guide you into another way of understanding. Or he might realize, I understand why you feel that way, and there's no point in my even trying to change it. But once I understand why you feel that way, then many good things can happen. And so that's that's what Swami's urging upon us. Don't, Don't be confused by words, and don't imagine 
just because we're using the same words that we actually are speaking about the same things. Go beyond, beneath, within yourself and those that you are close to, even if you're only close to them for a moment. Don't assume it, but, but try within yourself and ask God to help you and ask those people who are close to you to help you. You know, reveal to me your inner self. These are silent prayers so that I may serve you because that's what it's all about. How may I help you? And that desire to help opens all the doors. So Swamiji says, tune into others' inner realities Though the words you speak be similar, your realities may be as different as unrelated languages. Joy to you, my friends.